I'm Jessica Randolph, and welcome to the How to Buy a House podcast, where we empower you to invest in real estate and start building wealth for yourself. It's the biggest purchase of your life, and we're going to teach you how to do it right. What's up out there, beautiful listener? Hope you're having a great day. I am psyched for you because you are about to hear from two of my favorite people that I've had the pleasure of actually being their realtor, but you're going to get to hear from somebody who was just like you, someone that maybe hasn't purchased a house yet. And Colin and Polly Pissarra, they are with us today and they were first time home buyers. They had never purchased a home before and they took the how to buy a house class and took the plunge and ended up buying an incredible investment property here in Nashville, which they flipped and renovated. They also now have an income producing property in the back and you're going to get to hear their story and their fears and what it was actually like for them to take this plunge and learn all about real estate and actually jump off the diving board and take the Leap into homeownership and what that has been like for them. Hi guys, how are you? We're good. We miss you. Yeah, we miss you. Even though we saw you a couple weeks ago at a restaurant. I know. I love running into you guys just around town, but also we should just schedule time to hang out and let our kids play. Polly, Colin, <laughs> I'm so pumped that you guys are here because we've done a lot of these podcast episodes. We've had so many different awesome people on here, but we have yet to have an actual homeowner on the podcast. And you guys are... In my opinion, I was like, okay, we need to think of someone who, you know, has gone through it, that came to a how to buy a house class that, you know, bought their first home and like actually did it because there are a lot of people listening. I think that they want to be that person. They want to get to that point, but it can be scary. And so you guys did it. You are homeowners and you own multiple houses now. Why don't you guys just tell our listener, how did you make that decision? Give us a little run through of your history in real estate. All right. Well, we lived in New York. At this part I can start with. Once mm-hmm. we get into the nitty-gritty house buying, you could take it away. But we lived in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colin was in Brooklyn and I was in Manhattan. And we had that lifestyle for many, 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 many years. Yeah. Which basically translates to we were comfortable in small spaces. And we... Owned a laptop. Owned only That's laptops. It. We had no cars, no homes. Never had a car in our lives. What? Never. Yeah, we, we were well past 30 in the car or a house. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, we were just... We were, this is what happens that's in New York. York. That's yeah, New York. I mean, that's not just New York. I'm sure it's a lot of, lot of people now. But, yeah, I mean, it was... It pretty much is just work, restaurant. Like, my, my credit card bill was, like, work, restaurants, bars. That's it. Oh, my gosh. I mean, really, we had no knowledge of real estate at all in our, in our lives from, you know, from parents. And we both had parents who purchased multiple homes over their lives. And there always was this, um, my, I remember my dad actually sitting down with me. This is when I was in my first rental early twenties in Weehawk. I remember him sitting down with me and taking out a paper plate at a pizza uh, joint that was in Weehawk in New Jersey and he was showing me, and I still have it. It was like an amortization. Wow. Yeah, wow, I, I still have it. it. was an amortization chart showing how like a mortgage works. And he was so angry with me because I could not figure out like what he was saying. <laughs> he was just like, you're going to pay interest. There was like lines on it. He was like, it was like one of those circle plates, you know, with like the uh-huh. door. I know exactly what you're talking about. And he was like, you're going to pay more interest up front. And then the principal at the end, you're going to, and I didn't know like principal, like that word to me was new. I didn't understand. I just remember being like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> and it wasn't, it was like 20 years later, almost that I would end up finding your class and like learn more about like what this stuff was. But honestly, it was like that chunk of time. We both didn't know anything about house buying at all. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, we also didn't see the need because if you're in New York, you're you either have to leave. You have to leave New York to buy something unless you yeah. just know somebody else. But so we weren't leaving anytime soon. So it just didn't come up. And uh, then the pandemic happened, essentially. We got married. Well, then we got married. In the pandemic, you got married. Well, we got married right right before the pandemic. Who? Nice. Uh, and you know then it ended as the last great. Yeah. <laughs> the last great what? I refer to it as the last great wedding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Weddings are back to being great. Oh, they're back to being great. Yeah, there was a there was a hiccup Debatable. there for a while because it was the pandemic. Anyway, we got married at the end of the pandemic. Or sorry, at the end of real life before the pandemic. October of 2019. But we took a vacation to visit a friend in LA, and uh, we got there at the very end of February 2020 when the world was starting to look a little weird. But at this point, though, I still have my apartment in New York, and I had been airbnb it for, at this point, up to about seven or eight years, just end living there. That's, at the time, you could do that. Like, Airbnb, you know, back in the day was like, keep your food in the fridge, keep your clothes in the closet, and just, like, people will come and they'll stay. You know, now if you did that, they'd be like, what is this? Like, who left their clothes? (laughs) But that's that's the way it was. So we were after we got married, the plan was and we had done this at the end of 2019 was to fully prep the apartment in New York for like a full time Airbnb, even though we were just renting uh-huh. it. The landlord was cool with it. So we were going to make that a full time Airbnb and leave New York and try to find a, a house in Nashville. Wow. That was the plan. That is true. Yeah. This is pre COVID, though. While we're down here, I'm working out of the co-working space that I worked in down in in Nashville is when I met you. You were doing your class and you were presenting from the co-working space here. And I didn't know that you were presenting. I didn't. I They always send out little emails that let people know that that's and you had a full on thing going on. You had the screen. You had Clint was there. Uh, very much the the same you know setup that you that you have today, and it was perfect. I mean, I I truly, it fate. yeah, it was fate. I truly stumbled. Now, probably a few weeks, we had already started the process of trying to learn more information about buying a home. Basically, we had googling. Asked, uh-huh. Googling. We had asked a couple of friends. We had talked to a few. I had talked to a lender on the phone. I had copious notes written down of. And I don't use the word copious lightly. Polly knows. <laughs> I use the word copious. There were a lot um, of, of notes. And I was lost. I really was lost. I felt like the people that I was talking to at that time, it almost felt like what they wanted was our business and not for us to understand. Yeah, that's true. And it felt very, it was like the more I learned, the less I was taking in at that time. And where I felt, hey, I'm going to solve this problem for myself mentally and then for us as a family, like I'm going to learn more about this so that I can walk into this knowing what I'm doing. The exact opposite was happening. I had all this information and I didn't I didn't know what applied to me. I didn't I didn't understand anything about loans. I didn't understand anything about pre-approvals or at that time the interest rate was low, but it would then a year later, get even lower than it was already at historic lows, which uh, I was actually looking back at the presentation that you had shared from your class. And it was already at historic lows. The The class was on November 12th, 2019. 
by the way. I'm glad you remember that because I don't. <laughs> yes, well, I saw the email this morning. Oh, I did a little amazing. Research. That's yeah, awesome. Like, so it was November 12, 2019. I was interested in the interest rates on there to see what they were then. Now, again, at that time, I just knew nothing. Well, and it was really frustrating, too, because when, when, when you're in your upper 30s, low 40s, and you know nothing, like so many of the people in our lives had houses. You know, it right. seems like how is everybody managing to do this? And yet we're still stumped. And we've lived in New York for decades. And it just felt like, what did we miss along the way that, uh, that everyone else seemed to grasp? So then you take the class. So I took the class and the way that, and I'm not trying to just like, you know, yeah, toot your, toot your horn, plug (laughs) you, but it's crucial for people to know that the way that you are personality wise and the information that you have and the relatability that you present to people makes it fun, actually makes, it does make it fun and it makes it where, and the reason it's fun is it feels like you can do it. Yeah. Yeah feels like it's possible. Yeah. And you don't, you don't put up obstacles the whole time throughout the process. I really felt, I think we both felt this. We felt like we were just going to burn you out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> once we, once we, I was like, we are going to burn this girl out. Because she took the class and then we were psyched about her. Right. So we wanted to get her in. We had a couple other realtors as possibilities who no longer speak to us, but <laughs> oh my gosh, um, we burnt them out. But, uh, but we, we, we liked your energy and we were like, this girl's going to, this girl, she knows what we're looking for and um, she cares and she's not going to let anything stand in the way of us getting what we want. And if you, we were so, I, I will really admittedly say this. I think we were so operating out of fear. I think we operated out of fun in the, for the first two or three weeks. This is before that we had met you. Mm-hmm. And then I think it quickly changed to fear. I think we operated out of fear and we were so worried. I was so worried. I remember personally about signing something with a realtor. I was like, I don't, I'm, and I would tell people like when I met them, I was like, I am on a fact finding mission. Like I want to understand everything there is to know about buying a house. And I don't know where to go because when I go on Google and, and read stuff, sure, I can get that information, but every little situation was a little different. Mm-hmm. And it was also based on the market as well. So I'd be reading an article from 2018 and it was 2019 and I didn't know if it related. And so during that time when I was trying to get information, it really did feel to me like I I was getting anxious over it. Yeah, I felt like, oh, what if, and I remember I sat down with you and I was so interested to see if you were that same person that was presenting that class because I think we had met up within a day. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like the next day I, we met at WeWork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when we did that, I think like right away, I was like, I'm just worried. Like, I don't want to like sign something. And then this, you're like, don't worry about it. Let's just, let's just, what do you guys want to do here? Houses. Yeah. yeah. You're like, what do you, what do you guys want? And like, just what do you guys want was never a question that was even asked to us. From, from someone else. From somebody else. You know, so we were and very that's, that's how it started. We were, we were very, very grateful. And then, yeah. And then we went on vacation. To LA. And then, then we then we decided to go on vacation. So this is 2019, winter of 2019. Leave yeah. for me, New York, because I had not left there yet. I was still renting there. I love that you said, like, we started operating out of fear before you guys realized, like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to buy a house. Like, what were your fears going in, even after learning, or maybe even before learning, but what were some of your big fears of, okay, we know we want to own a home. We're obviously fact-checking. We're learning. You know, you come to class. Like, what were the fears that you guys had about buying a house? Yeah. I think, well, it's, you were very, you had, signing anything 
whether it's with a realtor or the actual documents that come with buying a house, that's super intimidating. There's a lot to read. There's a lot that you feel like you're not well-versed in and that you just have to sign it anyway, you, you know? So that's, that's scary. We weren't 22 or something where, like, maybe... I don't know. It's like you, you almost like the longer you put it off, the more hesitation that might, might come with that. Yeah. And like skepticism, right? Like you're probably very skeptical of, okay, what am I signing? And like, wh- what am I going to owe this person? And like, what, what am I getting out of it? And am I going to lose money if I sign this? Yeah. Right. And there was, I think there was a lot of components to, and that was another thing too, that we had learned right away that if you were buying a house versus selling your house, how the fee structure worked. Mm -hmm. And it just, it almost seemed too good to be true that you could have a realtor to help you buy the house and you weren't paying that realtor. Yeah. Uh, So there was stuff with that too. You're just kind of going, I don't get it. I don't understand the process. How does, how does that work then? Even though that you understand that the, you know, the seller's realtor ends up, you know, um, paying the realtor. We had lived such a nomadic life style too, that I guess on a a different level of another type of fear would also be, like now we now we just stay put and we live in this house. We're going to put all a lot of money into something that like what if we don't want to be in Nashville for too long and yeah. Then you yeah. start thinking about well, can, where, can we get out of it or uh-huh. are we going to be happy there? And, and also the houses we were looking at were fixer uppers, <laughs> so like it was almost to it us. Always we were looking at a we we looked at a we looked at a mix of homes. Some of them you know we were sort of gravitating towards the ones that for price reasons. We were looking at the ones that were fixer uppers because we thought, figured we could get into those and we had never done it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we definitely have a lot of scar tissue from having done it, right? you know, and we change our decision the, the next time, <laughs> but we've learned so much too, that you just, you wonder you, you're constant. It's a drug. It really is a drug and you, you live it. It becomes part of your life to, to renovate a home. It becomes part of your life to purchase a home too. Yeah. Cause you're operating your financial situation differently than you ever have because it's no longer rent you are now responsible for things something is you know messed up in your home you're calling you not your landlord you know and you're figuring out who the contractors are but talking about those fears again i think if we were to just summarize the fears it was this almost sounds maybe opposite from maybe what the larger percentage of, of people have to to deal with but I think right away, money was not a fear right away. And I think in retrospect, that should have been. It really should have been. And not to, not to scare people that are worried about spending money on it, but I think on the opposite side of having sort of like a laissez-faire attitude towards it is just as fearful potentially later on. Well, which, I don't think we were laissez-faire, though. I, well, think, I think we just came from this, 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 this headspace of, well we're at a certain age in our a point in our life and we never purchased anything. So we have money to put down because we've been sitting on it for a decade. True. So. Well, we were, we were ready. We were ready to go. I do. I do believe we were ready to go and purchase it. And we had saved and, you know, again, I'm in my forties and she's in her thirties. And like I said, I mean, the most expensive thing we owned at this point in our lives was a laptop. So yeah, we had saved, you know, during the time. So we were ready there, but the other fears were present, which were, time like we both own and run our own businesses and we were worried are we going to get stuck in something that we can't get out of time commitment wise money commitment wise who knows what's going to happen we were when we purchased the home that we purchased in Nashville it was square in the you know middle of the pandemic we closed on it June 9th 2020 
So there was all of a sudden new concerns that had never even come up before, which was PVC pipe piping was now, you know, or PEX plumbing was now eight times what it was two months ago. Stuff like that, that builders were like, sorry, we've never seen this. Yeah, it's too bad you bought a fixer-upper, but so, it's going to cost you a whole lot more to fix it up. Right. And lumber pricing too. And I mean, so many other things were all of a sudden three times the price. Yeah. So Yeah. That is why I was like, you guys would be perfect for this episode because you guys really have such a unique story of like buying your first house. So let's go more into that. So obviously you have these fears, but now you come to class, you feel more comfortable. You feel like, okay, I can actually do this. I understand what's going on. And then you're in LA during the pandemic and you're familiarizing yourself with Nashville, right? Because you knew you wanted to be in Nashville. So then how did you guys decide you wanted to buy a fixer upper? Like, where did that decision come from? Were you thinking in terms of like, we really want to Airbnb something because you had had that experience in New York and you could see, you know, the fruit of that. Like what, how did you guys make that decision to buy a fixer upper? And then we'll get into how that went. I think Colin, my guess (laughs) is that Colin always had like an interest in that you know, it just he, he loves salvage his mom is big on salvaging old furniture and and so I think it's like kind of in his blood to to, to save something <laughs> um uh-huh. for me probably it was more of just an endless redfin hunt where I, we don't love the mo- super over the top modern style that is kind of becoming more and more prevalent in Nashville we both liked the more historic look for me, I like historic and renovated. Uh, so I knew we could get there, but Colin was like really eyeing those historic and like needs love type house. And then on Redfin, it's like, it's, it was hard, at least at that time, it wasn't, we wanted something with a back house too. We were hoping for something with the back house. So it just became like, where are we at? When and where will we find something that is affordable and has a back house. Walkability was big for you. Yeah. And has so, so yes, because you guys walk everywhere. I remember that. Yeah, we still didn't have a car when we were on this. Tour. Right. We have to walk. We only have a laptop. Yeah. <laughs> I love so, it. I love um, it. so yeah. So it was just kind of. I don't know if it was like in my heart as something I really wanted to do, but it just kind of happened because our our list of other priorities overshadowed like that, you know, if you want to fix her up or not, at least for me, but I think Colin wanted it. So, well, yeah. And and I think, I think that's, that's definitely true. And when we were looking at the costs of the fixer uppers versus the ones that were renovated and then doing some homework on what we believe the cost would be to renovate them, we thought that we could come out on top and also be able to customize it for what we wanted. And, And yes, the, the neighborhood that we chose and the option optionality to have that back house back there so that we could continue, you know, renting it out for, for additional income with Airbnb to help, so, you know, cover the mortgage was an important side to it as well. Yeah. I don't remember how we found Gartland, but you guys were still out of town. I remember that. Like, we were looking at things remotely and I can't remember if y'all had found it and sent it to me or if I found it and sent it to you. I, you I think I saw it Showed it to Colin. Colin gave a quick thumbs up. We sent it to you guys, and Amy was there, like in the house yeah, that like later that day. That day. <laughs> so yeah, and then yeah. I think we put an offer in pretty like instantly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I remember calling you guys and being like, "This is a slam dunk because in this neighborhood, it's a very hard to find a house in this neighborhood that is affordable because things are just already renovated and very expensive. But like, that's this walkable." And has a back house. Like those three things, it was like, 
it, to me, it was like the perfect house for you guys because, and even since then, I'm like, I haven't seen much of them come on the market at that price point at the time. Um, so to me, it was like a real like needle in a haystack type of property. I believe your direct quote was, it was a 10 out of 10 out of a bomb.com score. <laughs> what I said. But I was like, if you guys don't buy this, you're crazy, right? I love it. So that, you know, I think that does make the decision a little easier versus like some of my home buyers. They're like, we just need three beds, two baths. That's really all we know that we want. Um, you guys had a very specific want list. And so when that house came up, it was a little easier to like take the plunge and make an offer for the first time in your lives because you're like, this is a, a rare find versus some of my home buyers. We might look at 10 houses that are good options for them in a day. And they're like, how do I know? And actually we have a whole podcast on that. Like, how do I know if I should make an offer in this one versus this other one? I, yeah. I was just going to say that I remember at least two houses that you showed us before the pandemic. Cause we were all there in person and Colin and I were like, Ooh, Ooh, maybe, maybe. And we were kind of like caught up on like the excitement of home buying and yeah. you were a little like yeah no this one's not for you like <laughs> you had to like rein us in and be like I and we were like oh well she knows she's yeah. in the business so let's so we, we had a lot of trust in your perspective on uh-huh. like that too yeah that helps for sure I think I think also now that we're talking about this it's sort of like unlocking parts of my brain that have yeah have like frozen over in the last like year or two <laughs> but I think regarding if I were to do this again if I were to purchase another home And I think this is just true in life that you kind of, a lot of times in life, you want what you can't have or want what you don't have. I think when we were in the house buying process, a lot of the things that we thought we wanted that were our criteria, I would say half were maybe really what we, after we moved into the house or what we actually appreciated about the house. And some of the things that we thought that we wanted were really only because we didn't have them before. And we kind of wanted to test the waters of having them rather than being time tested. Like what's something that you don't feel like you really needed to have? I feel like the, when we started talking about walkability Mm -hmm. and the walkability to the grocery stores and the stores Mm -hmm. and all this sort of thing that we ended up where we were, we figured we're going to be doing that walk, Mm -hmm. right? We purchased a, we never walked to you a walk, grocery you, store. Well, you walk to work every day. I walk to work, but that wasn't one of our criteria that we could walk to work. That would be not, I, I would agree. I like that now. That's time tested. If we were to get a house again, I would want to do it. But we do but take, we don't the, walk we do to take the truck store. to the store. So we, we were like, we chose that house because again, on Google maps, we didn't know where it was. We bought it really, we bought it sight unseen, you know, besides Amy going in there. So we never do the number one thing that we had written down on our list. Choose a house that has walkability to the grocery. It really is not, does not have walkability to the grocery store. And I would like to have that. But now that we're in that house, we don't really think about it or talk about it. We just go there. So if I, I think if you are getting into home buying, especially if this is your first time buying a home, I would hand all of the figuring of that stuff off to you, I would be like, figure out all the interest rate stuff, you, Clint, whoever the lender is, the I would have that person handle all of that to get you to figure out all of the stuff that you don't really need to fully understand. You just need to trust the person that's doing it, you know, as a as a home buyer. And then all of the other things, I think you need to when you write down your chart of what you want versus what you need to have, those are very different things. And you need to almost categorize those things that you want or need in whether you've had them or not and that they're time-tested, that you know you do want them. 
because I didn't have a window in my bathroom ever for like 20 years in apartments. I never had a window in my bathroom. So I was like, we need to have a window in our bathroom, like absolutely need to. Turns out we ended up designing our bathroom kind of wacky, you know? (laughs) And it's like, I would redo the way I did that window now. So the whole thing that I wanted, I was like, oh man, I kind of like. Oh my gosh. Because I think, is it in your shower? If I'm remembering? Yeah. We have three bathrooms and two of them have windows, but those are frosted over. And then the other bathroom is just in the middle of the house with no windows. So. But the, the, yeah, I mean, the point being <laughs> that it's nice, it's nice to have a want list. It really is. And you have to in order to get started. But make sure that yes, make sure you're not anchoring all of your decision making around that want. You'll get used to whatever it is you have. You really will. And find the things that are most important to you based on how you currently live, which she, not how you think you're going to live. Which we did still, I feel like we still nailed that as, as to what Jess said. Like we got the back house. Yep. So we have the rental income. Love it. We have walkability. Uh-huh. We're just walking <laughs> to bars. <laughs> which some people would prefer over the grocery store because you can get groceries delivered. You can't have a bar delivered it, to your yeah. house. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> and it's in the neighborhood, like a family friendly neighborhood. So it was, it was mm. still, it'd be still. I think maybe, yeah, maybe our, list, our list was really long, but you know, I think really understanding what you guys actually needed for your lifestyle. Like that's so crucial. Um, okay. I think some people listening, they're going to be really interested of like, what was it like for you guys? A being married is already hard and also having a kid is hard, but also doing that all in the pandemic is hard. But then you guys also bought a house and then built a back house and renovated the other house. Like and you're living in a silver bullet trailer to boot. Like, tell me, like, what was that like? And do you recommend, you know, buying a fix and flip as your first renovation? Like, what were the hard things? Because I do meet with some home buyers and they're like, we want to we wanna be like Chip and Joanna Gaines to get a fixer-upper, you know? And I'm like, great. What experience do you have with design? What experience do you have with managing a subcontractor? Do you know what a screwdriver is? Like, do you actually... Can you actually take this on? What kind of time do you have? Are you working nine to five? Are you going to do this at night and on the weekends? Do you like to, you know, install tile on the night and the weekends? Like really thinking through like what it would be like if you did buy a fixer upper and is that what you really want? But you guys did it. And so many people I know want to do it. Like looking back, was that the right decision? And like, why are you happy that you did it? And like, what were the hard things about it? There's so much to say. There is. You, do you want me to start with it? Or you you want... go for it. You break it down. Okay. The, I'll, I'll just, just interrupt me. I'll, inter- I'll insert little quippy one-liners. <laughs> okay. Perfect. <laughs> the I I will say um, just hitting on you know was it was it worth it to do it? Absolutely, without a doubt, without a doubt, and maybe not for the reasons that you'd suspect. Um, I don't think it was absolutely worth it because it went perfectly. I think I, you know, like I had mentioned before, I definitely am, I have scabbed over, <laughs> the phrase, you know, I have, yeah, callus, I have calluses now from the trauma that goes, <laughs> that goes into it. And there is, there's a lot of yeah. the, for one, when you're outside of your state, your home state, the people and personalities that you know, be it contractors, friends, family, whatever, people are different in different parts of the country. They most certainly are. And the contractors that we've dealt with personality-wise, I grew up in New Jersey, the New Jersey, New York area. Polly grew up in Boston. Those are very particular personalities Yeah, that a lot of people would say that they're tough to deal with. I, I got used to those types of people. I really did. Like they, and in Tennessee, which is where we purchased our home, they're, they're way different down here. Some of the ways are in good ways. Some of the, the ways are in um, not as 
easy for us to get along kind of ways. So I think that was that was a major, major challenge as well. But in terms of was it worth it to do it? Yes, without a doubt. That's my feeling now and forever will be. Uh, but I do feel like one of the reasons that it was well worth it is that I know all of the pitfalls, all of the stresses, all of the issues that can go into doing it. So I would be more well-equipped the next time it comes up to whether I would do it on that particular house or not. So I've, you know, I've, it's kind of like going to visit a city and if you, you like the city, but you may not go back to it, but you might, if there's a concert going on or so, it kind of feels like that. I loved it. Thought it was a great process. We're not home builders. So we had to trust the process. We had to trust the contractors and trust COVID and supplies and wait for delays. And we had a baby on the way and, there was so much stuff going on in our life. You want to? Do you want to yeah, talk? Yeah, I'm trying to see. Like, think of the order. I know when we bought the house, we had no home, so we were living in our airstream that we had purchased thanks to the pandemic. We bought the airstream first. Yep. I'm, I, I don't think I'm just yeah. saying we were we were in the airstream in Nashville at various campsites and parking yeah. lots. <laughs> I'm pretty sure one time I was like, do you want to just like park it in my driveway? Like, can you just go? We did, we did break it up and stay in other people's Airbnbs, including yours. and Cracker uh, Barrels. So we, we had a mix of locations. We're living um, in Cracker Barrels, but, Walmart parking but lots. But yeah, so because we bought the house that has the back house, we were excited that we'd be able to move into the back house while we renovated the front. But it just um, Took first had to, the back house first had to be renovated. We went through a process of trying to find who would be the right team to take this on, and we knew nothing. We were going off of people's recommendations, and it took seven months. Yeah, for for such a small space, five hundred square feet, it took it took Tiny. a really long time. I'm not sure we were pregnant when it start when they started work on that back house. We we just yeah. but I can tell you that my water broke three weeks. To the day after we moved in <laughs> so we had oh my gosh we had no time we bought nothing we had no crib we had nothing because also our baby came a month early so it was yeah, a lot of nothing. unexpected anyway but we got into the back house uh, you know ultimately we were grateful for the work that had been put into it but that was a that was a tough process Colin was deeply involved like he became the GC without ever preparing to be one um, because we just ha- we happened upon a younger team, good people, like wonderful people, uh, but uh, I don't know how many houses they had renovated before. Yeah. Um, so that was a process, and Colin, Colin really, really got into that. I believe that the phrase that they used was, "You guys are going to be our guinea pigs." Yeah. <laughs> oh no! For home building. For reason, home building. We thought that We're was like, a good idea. We Okay, cool. So it's discounted, right? At least. So yeah. maybe- yes. You guys are going to be our guinea pigs. That was a Well, case. you know, and you know, I used to work for a home renovator. I've flipped a lot of old houses. And there's three things we always say that when you hire a contractor, it's either on time, on budget, or built right. But it's never all three. Oh, uh, yeah. And I think for you guys, you probably were getting a little bit, maybe a better budget, right? But it definitely wasn't on time. And I'm sure there are things that didn't go right with the build, right? You know? Along the yes. way. At the end product, I think they did an ultimately beautiful job. But a few things had to be redone and redone and redone. Totally. <laughs> and it's, that's, that's part of, yeah, absolutely. You, that, I love that, by the way. That is totally true. 
That is totally true. Yeah. And you're, you have to also remember too, it's like the house already is imperfect and these people that are renovating it are imperfect and they're using imperfect products. Yeah. So when people expect perfection, even on $6 million homes, I can find imperfections. Like perfect isn't what you want. What you do want is, you know, using somebody that you trust, they're building to your specifications. They're telling you the truth. They're showing up at the job site. They're not stealing money from you. I mean, it really can get that ugly, but if those things, you know, for the most part are happening is like, they're, they're doing their best to stay on budget. They're building it to your specifications. They're showing up every day and making sure that people are showing up. That's to me, that's a good a good contractor hire right there, you know, and don't ever expect anything to be on time ever. Not a single renovation or build I've ever done in like the 200 I've ever worked on has ever actually finished when they thought it was going to finish. And did yours, yeah, did and- yours finish on time? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> they were no. calling us September and then well, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, we moved in in April. Yeah. Yeah. So. It got to a point where you know, we had a lot of sit downs. We had a lot of sit downs and we like referred to them as like therapy sessions or whatever, where we'd sit down with therapy the, sessions. The, the, actual, the GC that was working, you know, um, the GC for the, the front house. Great guy. Well, well, yeah, we're still talking. Oh, we're still talking about the back house now. Well, the, the, oh yeah. Well, that was, that was a whole story. I mean, we, we really did have therapy sessions with, with those guys that, oh my gosh, you know, it was, it was like, intense it was intense the, they and tell it was us a about lot, their family problems oh, their wow. family issues yeah you're gonna you will get like the full run of everything going on you know and you just the i think that polly has a great eye for things i think i i'm like a little bit more twenty thousand feet or whatever you know more aerial view of things and she could see, you know, where certain things were off and certain things weren't lined up right. And that went for this entire process of, of home remodeling. And that sort of thing, I think, is getting back to the fear side of it. I think that's the other fear as a home builder is you're going to miss something and then it's going to be too late. That was like a constant fear that I had. It was a constant fear. They would say, I'd get one of the builders would come in and say, hey, what do you think of this? I have no idea. I'm looking at something. I have no clue i'm looking at trim and what do you think of this and i'm quickly going like you know scanning through like pinterest but just in my head all of the times i've seen trim in my life and is this right you know is that the right thing or hey is this outlet you want this outlet here and i'm thinking oh my god what am i going to plug in what's right because like something simple like the outlet yeah it should be like near where your hand is when you'd be walking into the room but then you don't account for well you need six inches of space for the trim and that like right right. and you're like i don't know so then you know in some places we have the trim cutting into the outlet and we're like well that looks stupid but it's past the point of easily fixing it because now you get electric back in and it just becomes like you need to know everything. I mean, if you want to be as involved as we were in the case of the back house, we had no choice because it just it just unfolded that way with the team we hired. So we were suddenly yeah, we didn't all know in. anybody. We just yeah, we were there in or out with it. Yeah. So so Colin, I mean, Colin was literally there all day, every day, like also running his own business on the side. It was it was insane. But then we learned from that process and knew enough to. I'll be thankful for what came of it because we did get in there before uh, we had the baby. And then we were able to live in that 500 square feet, which, by the way, is really no different from a New York City apartment, which we were already very used to size wise. In fact, it was an upgrade because we were no longer in an Airstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were in this home in the little back house and we found a new team to work on our front house. Well, and it's no joke. I mean, they say that like one of the top reasons, like they say reasons why couples get divorced, it's like death in the family 
money issues. And then another one is building a house together. That's one of the main reasons. And I believe it, (laughs) not, not you guys, but like, that's just a testament of like, it really does test you not only personally, but also like as a couple, like Josh and I have done it a few times and it is, it is very stressful. It is like having another kid, but it's like a kid that requires so much attention. (laughs) Um, and also you're the one, you know, picking out the eyeball color. I mean, there's so much, you know, you have to consider and you're like, I wasn't ready to make decisions on doorknobs. Like, I don't know what a doorknob should look like. And now all of a sudden I'm waking up in the middle of the night because I don't know what doorknobs I like. And it's that kind of stress that at the end of the day, it's like, I always tell my clients, I'm like, just pick what you like and just go for it. Like, don't stress because, you know, Instagram and Pinterest changes every 30 seconds. And at the end of the day, you're the one opening those cabinets every day. Like pick the colors you like because odds are it's going to change and you can always keep designing. So, and I think you guys did a great job. Like I, I, I wish I could just like cut to pictures of your house because you guys truly should have your own TV show because the level of like interior design that you guys just threw up into your house was amazing and so beautiful and so tastefully threw up done. Is a good, threw up is a good term. Yeah, like seriously, it looks okay. so good. You guys did such an amazing job, especially in your first one. So I think too, Jess, what you were saying like that you have to, you know, like whatever you choose, you have to love. I would even take that a step further that I would say like a lot of stuff that you actually don't even have to love. Yeah, that's so true. Like it's okay to just make the decision. I think that's a an extremely tiring game for one when you're dealing with A, out of stock things, B, your budget, um, and C, like probably the most important thing, I don't always know what things I love yeah. when it comes to that. I never even thought about a lot of these things. So true. Before, you know, like the, 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 um, the hinges, like you mentioned, or doorknobs or you know, faucets or whatever. There's so many, you take, we take way more notice now when we're at hotels, at friends' houses, whatever the case is, and you can make different mental notes having gone through it. But I think a lot of the times it's, and I think you were hinting at this, just making it, keeping the train moving and not being the person that's holding it up just because you want a certain vanity to be in stock or whatever it is. Um, people are coming in there. No one's going to comment on that stuff. Now, to a degree, yes. If you spend a lot of time and thought on your house and you give it the certain areas of your home, the consideration it needs to look right. Um, yeah, you're going to you're going to notice those things, but you don't need to spend that time and consideration on every angle of your house. And you I, don't. And I should say uh, thank you for the compliments and, and whatnot, but also what helped us a lot and what I would recommend to anyone, even people who think they have a great eye, we both have design backgrounds. So we kind of felt like we're solid. We don't need anyone coming in here and helping us. But we hired an interior designer on our back house when everything was kind of a little nutso with the construction team, our interior designer was like the one with the light, like leading the way and keeping us on track and making at least me have good night's sleeps because I, I was really stressed about it. And she, we completely trusted her. And then what ended up happening is we didn't take her on for the front, but we took everything she had taught us and used that from the back house and applied it to the front. So mm-hmm. so basically what I'm saying is for anyone out there who, who even, who think they might be a little bit like Joanna Gaines. I'd still hire an interior designer you trust, at least for like the first couple phases of the process so that they can... Somebody on your side. Yeah, yeah. And don't hire someone from the the, 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 the construction team's team. Hire someone, a third-party person, so right. that they're not siding with 
It's affordable. Person. At the end of the day, it's affordable. It may be it may be a cost that you see up front and think that that's a lot of money. Um, and the fact that they're working on your behalf to get you the best – one of the best bits of advice that they shared with us, the designer, was don't spend money on things that people are not going to touch. So that could be – Light fixtures, handles that are above, you know, above reach that might be more decorative. Anything that people that are not, she just called, you know, items that are not tactile. Don't spend money on those. Spend the money on things people are going to touch because then they're going to look up if they touch something and it feels nice and feels like high quality. They're going to look at those other things and think that that's high quality too. That is so good. And I've read so many different design blogs and magazines and books and I've never heard someone say that. And I think that's so true. I totally agree. And now in hindsight, you know, you did the flip, you're in your house, you feel settled. Now, how does it feel knowing the equity that you guys not only have in your house, if you ever decided to sell it, but also just like having that back house, you know, offset your mortgage, like financially, do you guys feel so happy that you made that decision? Like, has that opened you guys up to investing in other properties? Like, tell me about how that's kind of changed your, your finances as a family. It really does feel amazing. It was two years in the in the making to get there to have that back house be income producing for us and in a city like Nashville it's fairly easy to rent it out in terms of Airbnb so the fact that that is covering the mortgage and we're able to rent it out pretty consistently is it feels like it pays off and it pays off Take, it took longer than we thought. We thought, hey, we'll be renting this out in six months. Well, it took nearly two years to rent it out. But once it gets to that point and you're then covering your mortgage um, or getting close to doing it or, you know, in the hope obviously is to even profit as well. It's a great feeling. I mean, you're building the choosing the neighborhood for one. You, you're rolling the dice with everything that you do for sure. But there's definitely decisions that you can make that lessen your risk. And we knew buying in this neighborhood for one, especially, you know, talking to you, getting that uh, confirmation on that. We knew that buying in the neighborhood for one would help with equity, spending money out of pocket. It's scary. It definitely is scary. And it's probably the number one fear that, that people have is spending money. You're spending your money. You earned your money. You're now spending your money on something that is heavy and big and anchored somewhere. And you've made a decision the thing is, you're putting it back into yourself. You're put you're inve- you're investing this money for one, and people do this all the time. Are there horror stories? There there are there are some. I can't think of any. To be honest, <laughs> I really can't. Ours probably comes as close to a horror story as possible. And <laughs> oh my god! Well, the only reason the only reason I say that is because, like you said, it is stressful, and people don't real. people don't let you know how stressful it is. And you have a way. People have a way in life to be able to forget how stressful it is over time. Like all trauma in life, you're able to move on. I do use the word trauma because it was new, it was scary, and you're writing checks up. And that that is and scary. we have a newborn baby and we're not sleeping. It was, it was a lot at once. So it <laughs> it it can be scary. But I'll tell you, as two people who knew nothing about it at all, we didn't know anything coming out on the other side. Which two years might seem like a long time when you're in it, and it can at times. It's not that long to think about as far as an investment goes. That we are now on the positive side of that investment. Two years, and we went through COVID. We went through the fears of buying a house for the first time. All a new state with a baby, all of these things that are all the check boxes of stress, scary, scary, stress, scary, you know, all those two years. 
That's it. And we're good. We're in the clear now. Now things will come up with the We're house. looking for the next one, right? We are. <laughs> we are looking for the next one. We are we are searching for the next one. Similar to what we said before, we're kind of some of the things that this one doesn't have. We're kind of looking for that in that one. We want to keep this one, but we'd like to purchase another one and you know, maybe sell this one, maybe keep it as a rental because it has that opportunity. So and look at how now you guys taking that risk, taking the not only the risk of home buying, but home buying in Nashville, in a city that you weren't super familiar with, while having a baby, while you know being in the middle of a pandemic. Like you guys took that risk, and now you're going to reap the benefits because when you guys do buy your next house, you could decide: Do I want to use the equity from Gartland to pay for this next house, or um, do we rent it and use the cash flow to help offset that payment? And you're going to be able to buy a house with more windows in the bathroom, or a house that has, you know, all the things you, all the outlets in the right places, right? Like you can use that decision and reap the benefit of that risk. And, and now, you know, so much more. And I think a lot of people listening to this podcast, like, I think your story is so encouraging to them because it does feel scary. It feels intimidating, but now you're on the other side and you're like, wow, I'm so happy we did that when we did. Cause even now, if you were to buy your house now today, I guarantee you probably pay twice what you paid to buy it originally. And if you would have just let your fear keep you where you were, you wouldn't be able to now make the second purchase and, and, you know, really level up in where you're living and, you know, make these decisions as a family because you'd still be stuck in that fear. And like, that's to me, the power of the, the class and the podcast and like really like get, getting over that fear and like trusting the people that are, are bringing good wisdom into your life. And, and yeah, and like taking a chance on real estate and, I think it's so cool that you guys did that. And like, I guarantee you, like even in five years, you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we bought our second one. And because look at how that helped us do this and move to freaking wherever in New Zealand or like, I can just imagine you guys everywhere uh, because you are still nomads at heart, but like, but you're adventurous. And I think, you know, even for you, like buying a house wasn't settling down. It was like, no, we're planting roots, but like those roots can help us climb a branch to another tree and do something cool over here. Like it didn't really drag you down. If anything, it just gave you more assets to be able to keep adventuring, you know? Yeah, yeah that's, that's totally true. well put. And, the, and thank you. I, I just wanted to make yeah. sure that everyone knows how much of an asset you were to us too in the whole process from 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 the literally the day we met you where Colin took that class mm -hmm. and then all the way up even through our renovation you you walked through it and pointed out things that we needed to call attention to yeah. for our contractors so like having a realtor that you trust and that wants to see you all the way through the process is is we were so crucial. lucky we were yeah, so crucial lucky. And well, that's sweet. The one thing I wanted to add too is just that feeling out there because I can tap into that feeling of right before we bought the house. I never felt ready. I never felt this was a good time to buy. It, it turned out to be a good time to buy for one reason, which was the interest rate. Right? It was a bad time to buy in terms of su the supply chain and and all that. Right. I have not seen in my lifetime, looking back at it now, what I know now a good time to buy in terms of your body's going to feel that way, that it's a good time to buy. You need to shut that part of your body down, that fear side, um, or you'll never make the decision to buy. If that's what is hamstringing somebody from making that decision, having a realtor, having people that understand this process, it's not that scary. People do it all the time. If something is working out for you, the right house, the the interest rates, the whatever, know that yeah, sure, that it probably will work out. It probably it probably will because it does for most people. Percentage wise, it probably will. 
there will be things that are annoying and stressful. That's like every decision in life. So true. Too. There's no different. But it's not going to feel, at least it didn't for me ever, yeah, that's the one. We should get it and this is right and this is this. It's There's more fear than not. It's just going to be that way. And you just make the decision, you move on, and you feel stronger after it, it works out. Amen. I love that. I feel like that could just be like mic drop. Well, that was going to be my, my last question to you guys is if you could give one piece of advice to the person listening to this podcast, what would it be? And I feel like you just answered it, but I'll ask again in case there's something else or Polly you want to say, but what would be the one thing like that you wish you would have known before you started buying one piece of advice? Also, it doesn't have to be real estate related. I, I just think finding the right people to be on your team means everything. And it starts from the realtor. And in some cases it can end with the realtor if you're just finding a, a, a beautiful new home, but you know, getting, getting the interior designer that you trust, finding a GC that makes sense for you. Like it, it people are what it takes to make it all work. And if you can feel like the people that you assemble for your team understand you, it goes, it goes a long way. We, we got tripped up at moments and then we recovered. We found a good team. We always had a good realtor. And I just think that that helps with the fear. You know, you, mm-hmm. you know that you've got people working for you and on your behalf and it goes a long way. Totally. What about you, Colin? I, I think I'd say keep a budget. Keep a budget going the whole time. Uh, something we didn't do very well. We kept thinking. It was hard, though. We tried. We had all kinds of Google Docs. Yeah, we did. But <laughs> I, I think that that would be my bit of advice. I think I would just say keep a budget. You know, know what you're, where you're spending your money. Know that you're not going to account for certain things if you don't. You know, like getting the decision between a, even a couch could be the matter of a thousand dollar difference between one couch and another, and when you Multiply that from all these different decisions you have to make and have a good relationship with a, with a lender for sure. Have a good relationship with a lender. I wish I had kept in touch more with Clint during the process. He was so helpful at the beginning. I wish I had kept that relationship going with him where I was just checking in with him to understand. Yeah. Uh, well, Clint, yes. Bill, Billy was from FNM, but Clint was the original oh. guy. Yeah. Who was in the Clint was giving me the information. Oh, Billy set it up. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a great that's great advice for sure. And that's simple: keeping a budget, keep in touch with your lender, pick the right people. I think all of that is so true. You guys are pros now. Like, you don't even need any help. You're like, okay, we got this. We're gonna go do this. But yeah, we'll keep you around. Think, we'll keep you so around many just people in case are we're not as pros as we story. think we are. <laughs> well, you guys, thank you so much for a taking the time to do this, especially with being parents and running businesses and everything you have going on. But I know that there is going to be somebody listening to this episode that is like so encouraged by your story. And so thank you for taking the time to share it. And, um, I'm inspired by it and I just, yeah, you guys are the best. So thank you. You're the best. <laughs> Give Al a big hug for me and we are going to do okay. dinner. I promise. <laughs> And we'll get that on the okay. calendar very soon. Love it. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. Awesome. Thanks, guys, again. Bye. Talk to you later. Stay tuned for more episodes from the How to Buy a House class. You can follow us on Instagram. We're at the How to Buy a House class. You can also email us. Yes, we still use email, and we would love to connect to you that way as well. You can reach us directly at hello at howtobuyahouseclass.com. And I also would love to connect with you. My Instagram handle is at Jess Lou Randolph. And we hope you have a fabulous day. Thanks for listening and God bless you.